in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Derek Carr's agent also just put out a statement. Um, I just want to read one part of this. Teams constantly search for franchise players who invest themselves completely, as Derek did for nearly a decade, maybe even to a fault. That's his true legacy here. You didn't have a very good legacy if your legacy is, hey, you tried hard. <laughs> that's basically what he's saying. Yeah. Like, Derek Carr showed up and tried hard, and that's his legacy. Eh, you weren't that good then. Well, that's, that's just not a good legacy. Uh, so, yeah. His maybe. legacy was better than that. I think I mean, he, he holds every passing record in the that should be his. that's what he should have said his legacy was he holds every passing record in the franchise because I mean, he got to play here for nine years well and nobody I mean, ever he still, moved on he still did him. it I mean I I agree with you on the legacy part for trying hard you're supposed <laughs> to try hard you make 20 million dollars a year <laughs> I showed up you tried hard that's what you'll remember Derek Carr for all right thanks Derek next question This is from uh, the world of college football, and I'm actually very excited about this. Marshall's head coach, Charles Huff, said yesterday that Deion Sanders is trying to poach his players. Uh, This is from Tom Bragg, (laughs) who covers Marshall football. Huff says Deion Sanders contacted a transfer yesterday who is already on campus at Marshall and tried to talk him into coming to Colorado. He didn't name the player, but Huff said the player is staying at Marshall. It's a transfer, so it's not a recruit. A uh, freshman or anything like that, but like if he's already signed to play at Marshall, I think Deion Sanders broke an NCAA yes, rule. Yes, if he signed his letter of intent. Yeah. Did. Now, if this kid's just like on campus and is committed to Marshall or whatever, then anybody can talk to him and try to get him to come. But if he's like already signed, then well, Deion Sanders breaking the rule. I feel bad for Deion because he needs a lot of transfers because when he walked into his press conference, he told most of those kids to get in the portal. <laughs> so Deion probably only has 26 people on the roster, so he's got to get more people. Uh, but the real story here, Charles Huff is, I think, my new favorite college football coach. He actually called another coach out by name yeah. and said, hey, you're poaching my players. It should be in the SEC. Right. Every other time we get coaches complaining about this, they don't ever name the coach. They're just like, ah, I heard so and I heard somebody offered $5 million to this quarterback, but they don't ever name him. Charles Huff, meanwhile, is like, <laughs> Deion Sanders, Sanders. He's, he's hiding behind the bushes right now <laughs> trying to steal my kids. Great question. Thank you. The Houston Texans and the Arizona Cardinals have received permission from the Saints to interview Sean Payton. Again, the Saints have to grant permission because Sean Payton is not um, a free agent coach. He's under team control. Um, would Sean Payton take the Arizona job? I think he'd take it before he'd take the Houston job, but I don't think he'd take the Arizona job. I'm waiting for uh, the Cowboys to lose Monday night so uh, McCarthy can be dismissed and Sean Payton can become the McCarthy's coach. McCarthy's safe. Have, have I, you I, listened I, to Jerry Just Jones? because Jerry says that. Jerry might change his mind no. if they get beat by Tampa Bay 28-14. to 14. No, he's Back safe. Four more touchdowns. So I don't know if I don't know if either job is a great job, especially is, if they're trading DeAndre Hopkins and can he work with Kyler Murray? So that's in is Kyler Murray viewed as an asset if you're, to a, Sean if Payton. you're a potential head coach like Sean Payton? Right. Like do you view Kyler Murray as I can, I can make that work? Yeah, I can make that I, work. We can be really good, or right. do you view it as uh oh, I don't want to deal with Kyler Murray. I 
I would probably lean towards, uh, oh, I don't want to deal with I Kyler think it's Murray. The latter. Um, so maybe Arizona's not that attractive, but you, he, there is talent there. You could absolutely talk yourself into, well, look what I did for Drew Brees. I can, I can do that for Kyler Murray. We can do something special here. Does Kyler Murray challenge every candidate to Call of Duty one-on-one? And if they beat Kyler Murray, does he allow them to become head coach? I think he'd be upset, right? right. If he got beat by him? He would, he would automatically say no if they beat him? I think so. I think that's the way it would go. Yeah, he plays too much. They're not beating him. Yeah, he's got to crush him. Otherwise, they'll crush know. him. Is there is there any reason Houston would be attractive? They have the number two pick. They're presumably going to get. I mean, you Bryce could get Younger, a, yeah, you Stroud. Could get Stroud, um, and you could get a franchise quarterback to come in. I don't. I mean, Sean Payton is a little different, but you said yesterday, and although there'll be people who want the job, obviously it's an NFL head coaching job, but the security at that place. <laughs> It's just, I mean, you, you lose and you're gone one year. I don't think that'd be the case with Sean Payton. He'd probably demand like, I mean, what would he demand in a contract in terms of security? So, well, the good seven years, there's two things about that. One is Sean Payton would probably get a pretty large deal that you wouldn't get rid of him after one year. The other part is if you're getting Sean Payton, you're trading for Sean Payton. So you'd have right. to give up an asset to get him. You're not which, giving up the number two overall pick. Which would make you very unlikely to then cut him after a year right. if he wasn't very good. So Peyton's like the one guy who Houston, you know, would keep more than one season. Um, but again, they would have to trade something. They have another number one pick. I think they have two next year as well. Would they have, They, I mean, if if I'm the Saints and the Texans want Peyton and you've got four number one picks over you want the next two, of two them. years, you got to give me at least one and I might be asking for two. So... Denver, Arizona, Houston have all talked to Sean Payton. Any of those good? You mean which one would I go to if I was Sean Payton? <laughs> sure, yeah. Arizona. That might be the answer, which is, and they might trade DeAndre Hopkins too. <laughs> <No>. So <laughs> that might be the answer if you're Sean Payton, which is not a great answer. That's a great, great question. Hey, it's Jerry Jones. He said uh, it is in Dak Prescott's DNA to not turn the ball over. What does that mean? I don't know. I mean, he's got 15 interceptions and he's missed five games, so his DNA is not talking very well. (laughs) I mean, what? What is he talking about? Jarrett is just... I love Jarrett because you want an owner who talks that much to the media. I mean, it must be be great covering that team. It's it's a pain in the you-know-what. I know people who are the beat writers of that team, and they never sleep. It is 24-7 covering that team. But to have an owner like Jarrett who just always talks... They say it's great. He'll never not talk. Yeah, but half the stuff he says is useless. Kind of makes, that kind of makes true. it better. It kind of makes it better. True. It's great when it's useless, Danny. It's great when it's just whatever Jerry Jones says. Just throw it out there. And like Ed said, even though he keeps saying that Mike McCarthy's safe, would any of us be surprised if Tuesday morning after they lose to the Bucks in the first round of the playoffs, Mike McCarthy's fired? And Sean Payton's hired? Oh, I would love it. Oh yeah, I would. I would a hundred percent. I would love it. Fire McCarthy at eight thirty. Hire Sean Payton at nine thirty. Eight thirty-five. <laughs> Call up the Saints. What do you guys want? Let's go. Let's do this. Do you want Dak? He doesn't have turnovers in his DNA. Yeah, Dak doesn't turn the ball over. Let's go. No, great, great question. The Dodgers traded for Miguel Rojas. With the Marlins, they're sending their number 15 overall prospect to the Marlins. Miguel Rojas is 33 years old, has a career OPS plus of 85. It was 72 last year. 
Is he the starting shortstop to replace Trey Turner He's for the starting Dodgers? Shortstop. He's the starting shortstop to replace him. I know. I know. Ooh. I didn't mind giving up the prospect because they have such a good farm system so they'll have guys you know better than jacob amaya but yeah he's just he's gonna replace trey turner L- looking forward to that i'm really happy about that good good trade <laughs> this is the guy we wanted at shortstop why didn't you go get like carlos correa or something you know well we know why they didn't do that so physical so, <laughs> so to give you ops plus numbers again last year miguel rojas was at 72 which means Miguel Rojas last year was 28% worse than the average hitter. Trey Turner was at 121, which sure. means he was 21% better yes. than the average hitter. So you went from basically 20-plus percent better than average to 28% worse than average at the plate with your shortstop. It's not very good. No, it's not very good. I would have probably just taken Lux right. I'm, I'm, and put Muncie at second. Uh and just gone that way, just gone with that up the middle. I'm a little confused, to be completely honest. Like, surely the Dodgers have a good farm system, right? Like, don't yes, they just have a yes. kid they can put at shortstop and I would probably think. would hit 70, had about 72 OPS plus? Like, 72 OPS plus is not good. And, like, you, I think every team in the league probably has just a random prospect they could call up and would have a 72 OPS, OPS plus. Like, doesn't even have to be a good one. You just have, like, hey, everybody's 13th best prospect could come up right now and have a 72 OPS plus. So I'm a little confused unless this is not actually the starting shortstop and is more of just Oh, like, no, I think he's the starter. Really? Like, yes, there's there's no chance the you think he's just, like, infield No, depth. I think he's the starter. That's a little rough. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Next question. He's not even young either. He's, like, 33. Uh, speaking of young players, 42-year-old Nelson Cruz signed a one-year deal with the Padres. Uh, give you more OPS plus. He was 90 last year, which means he was 10% below average. That's the worst of his uh, career in, in a full season. He's 42. And I guess he's DHing every day for the Padres. So he and Tatis are on that team. A little something in common. <laughs> Hand me my apple juice. Uh, Danny, you're a Nationals fan. Yes. Their big free agent signing last year was Nelson Cruz. Yeah. He wasn't very good, was he? No. Yeah, it's all right though. Is he? Gonna, I, he's going to turn around in San Diego. The cream for eczema is going to. Yes, it. It's weird because San Diego keeps signing all these guys from the DMV area. First they signed Machado from the Orioles, and then last year they got the the two guys from the Nationals. I think they're just looking at who's who's playing well or. Not good, but well enough to take from Nationals and Orioles. Well, there's two franchises there that have had zero interest in winning for a little bit. That's so. true. <laughs> uh, I mean, their players are there for the taking. The Nationals gave away their best player and then won a title. So, that was <laughs> And then gave away all the good players from that team. And too. then gave away everybody else. <laughs> Next question. Bears general manager Ryan Poles has not ruled out taking a quarterback at one. He did say... He would have to be, quote, absolutely blown away to take a quarterback at number one. But that is not a no. What are the chances that he is absolutely blown away by Bryce Young or CJ I think Stroud? there's much better chances he's absolutely blown away and takes a trade. And then someone trades into that spot for Bryce Young. I, I do think he, like, I think that's the right mindset to take if you're the Bears. Like, you... Fields is not good enough that you can say 100% this is our quarterback. If you sit down and you like start evaluating him and for whatever whatever your scouts say or whatever numbers you have, if you come away with 
this Bryce Young kid is going to be a superstar. You have to draft. Him. It's the yeah. most important position on the field. Yeah. You can deal you with Justin that. Fields. So if they sit down and they're like, we believe this kid is a star. Or it could be CJ Stroud too. You have to take him because that's the number one thing you want in this league. And you deal with the Justin Fields situation after that. But if you sit down and you say, eh, he'll, he's probably a starter, but nothing more than that, then you could say, all right, we're going to stick with Fields and try to build uh, the rest of the roster or make the trade down. But that that is the right approach is, hey, if we're going to we're going to look into them, we're going to look really hard into them. And if they're if one of them's just us, we think a future star, we will take him. But I doubt they do, even though I think they should, because Fields isn't actually that good. Yeah. Man, you know, great question. Aaron Rodgers said uh, after they lost to the Lions that he's not going to hold the Packers hostage. He said he's going to make a decision soon. It's uh, been four days since they lost. What's soon to Aaron Rodgers? April? <laughs> like, when's he, like, we've done this. Before the draft? We've pre-draft? Done this two off seasons in a row. Yeah, pre-draft. Where it's like, oh, Aaron Rodgers drama and two off seasons ago was really bad. What is soon he's to Aaron Rodgers? He's making 58 million next year. Just say you're coming back. Who, who publicly makes the decision first, Sean McVay or Aaron Rodgers? Oh, Sean McVay. You think so? Yeah. Sean McVay could do it quickly. Rodgers I mean, will do it after the draft. I mean, so could Rodgers. They could both do it well, right now. Yeah, I, $58 million is $58 million. He's going to play next year, but knowing Aaron Rodgers, he's just going to take his time to say it. What are the chances Sean McVay and Rodgers don't know what they're doing next year? I think more so for Sean McVay. I think Aaron Rodgers knows he's making $58 million next year. I think McVay knows he's retiring, too. I mean, he's telling his staff, yeah, go look for other jobs. I'm not going to stop you. Like, I think they both know, and for whatever reason, they're just not going to tell anybody for right. a while. I don't know. They like the spotlight a little bit. I don't know. Oh, there's always ego involved with those guys. Not just those guys, but anyone at that level. Aaron Rodgers wants the questions on Pat McAfee's podcast yeah. every week. He's like, hey, you got to bring me back yeah. on. That's where he's going to break the news. Guarantee it. And he'll do it like sort of mumbling under his breath. Like, of course I'm coming back. Drinking his scotch yeah. at the same time. Yeah. He'll be like, of course I'm coming back. Why did anybody think I wasn't coming right. back? He'll just like dismiss everybody who thought the opposite. Like, well, you're the one who made it a possible question, dude. But yeah, that's exactly how we'll do it. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll get into the Golden Knights. They take on the Florida Panthers tonight. Well, they will have to, or they won't reach their ultimate goal. That's that simple to me. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to take what's in front of you, right? We talk about it all the time. Take the ice that's in front of you. If, if they have a good gap, then the, or the ice that's available. Sorry, and if if they have a good gap, the ice that's available is behind them. So you go force them to break a puck out. If they don't have a good gap, then you play in front of them and make your plays. So, and with with that type of system, when they were pretty disciplined in getting back the other night, it was obviously the ice was behind them, and we we didn't accept that. So, will they? You know, will they do it in the playoffs? It, will, whoever plays them has to. Just have to. It's what's in front of you. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Golden Knights are back in action. They take on the Florida Panthers at 7 o'clock. You can hear that over on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 and 13.40 a.m. Ryan Wallace will have pregame intermission and postgame show. Uh, Yesterday, the Golden Knights lost a player for nothing. Jake LeCision was claimed off waivers by the New York Rangers. Look at Gallant coming in and taking these guys. 
There's no chance Gerard Gallant knows who Jake Lashishin is. I think is. he knew him. I think he wanted him, and I think he wanted to take him from the Knights. Never played a game <laughs> for Gerard he Gallant. He knew. He knows the minor leagues of the Golden Knights, baby. I think if there's anything Gallant did, it had nothing to do with Jake Lashishin, <laughs> and it was it just, did. it was just, hey, the Golden Knights put somebody on waivers. Let's just claim him for the hell of it. Could have been any player, and Gallant would have said, "Let's get him for the hell of it." He does not. He did not. I know think Jake he knows Lecision's a lot name. about Big Jake. How fast is Lecision back on waivers from the Rangers? Going by your thought process, I'll be honest. I don't know their like injury or depth situation, or why they claimed him. Right? Maybe they've got like significant problems, but if they don't, yeah, he might be on waivers like next week. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing: Jake Lecision, zero points. In 22 games, not goals, zero points, no goals, no assist. He did have two goals for assists last year in 41 games for the Golden Knights. He has been a player that's played probably more than Vegas really anticipated in the last two years because of injuries. Um, he was a second round pick five or six years ago, but he hasn't really been anything too special. I'm curious, given that he hasn't produced very much at all. Do you think the Golden Knights miss him at all? No, I don't think so. I know that uh, you have down here what his cap hit is, which isn't much, but he didn't do anything. So I don't know if they miss him terribly for the reason they put him on waivers. He So I think where his value was is that you had a player that, while he didn't produce any points, was not like this massive negative, and he didn't cost anything against the cap, right? His cap hit was $766,000. Um now, how replaceable is that? Brett Howden is the guy that would be in the lineup instead of Jake LeCision or would have been if he was healthy. Brett Howden's got a $1.5 million cap hit, so that's double what Jake LeCision was. Pavel Dorofeyev, who we've seen up here, also has that $700,000 cap hit, but he's also hurt. They're both hurt. At the moment. So if they need you know, an, another cheap option... Hound's a little bit more expensive. Granted, not a crazy number, but 1.5 is more than 766. Yes, that too. And Dorofeyev is potentially, a, uh, you know, you can call him up and do the same thing. But again, they're both hurt at the moment. I don't think it's a, a big deal, but it is uh, a little less flexibility in terms of what players they can put in the lineup when they might have a cap issue or might just be close on the cap and need a forward to just come play eight minutes on the third line, not play in the third period. That's well, that's really the only thing. That, that's really the only thing I think they'll miss. So I don't think it's that bad. But there might be a couple of moments this season where they look back and say, "We would like to have called up Jake Lecision right now because he could have plugged in right now." The reason they lost Jake Lecision is because they put him on waivers to go back to Henderson, and it's presumably because the Golden Knights are getting healthier. Right now, Shea Theodore's out. Zach Whitecloud, those are the two main players. But it sounds like it's going to be Brett Howden is the player that comes back uh, tonight First. and not Theodore. And like we said, Whitecloud might be a little while. So we're still kind of, I don't know when we get, when we see Shea Theodore back. We're still kind of a ways, maybe a ways out, maybe just a couple of days. But once Theodore does come back, Golden Knights will be pretty damn healthy for a hockey team. Like, until someone else gets hurt. So here's my question on that. They don't have a big lead in the top of the Pacific Division, right? LA and Seattle are, are both right there. 
if the Golden Knights, even now, before Theodore comes back, their, their forward group is about as healthy as you're going to be, has all the, the big-name players, and the defensive group, at least you have Petrangelo and uh, Martinez and Haig and McNabb all there. Is it important for them to create a gap at the top of the Pacific Division while they are relatively well, they're healthy? healthy? Like, is that an important thing, or is that uh, whatever they can, as long as they're leading, it doesn't matter by how much the rest of the year? No, I think it's important to create a gap, um, but I don't know if they can either, because I think the you know the Kings are playing pretty well. I, I'm I'm not a believer in the Kraken. I'm just not. <laughs> I've told you that before. I'm just not a believer in the Seattle Kraken. Sorry about that. Um, it, it's didn't you buy the hat when they released the logo? Yes, I have. A Wear the hat. Come I have a, on, I have be a, a believer. Kraken hat that I work out in. Be a believer. It's sweaty and it's almost done at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I will not buy another one. I loved the logo. I loved the Seattle Kraken logo. I get some hard times about that. You do? Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, okay, you're working out. There might be yeah, Golden Knights like, fans. There's Knights fans and stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, I don't like this team. I just like the logo. If I wear hats, I like the logo. <laughs> I don't buy hats because I like the teams. You're I currently like wearing a hat with a Hurley logo on it. Yes. See, I like Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, no, I mean, I, I still think they're going to... As bad as and as bad as they've played against the Pacific, I still think the Pacific's a down league, a down uh, division. I still think they're going to win the Pacific, but it would. I guess it wouldn't hurt to create some space, no. right? I mean, it's yeah. not going to hurt them, but I, guess, I don't know I how much is going to help them. The reason I asked the question, I think, is is tainted by last season where they, they were in first place. At they this were in time, first place at right. the time and, at the All Star break, and then fell completely out of the playoffs because of injury. And maybe it's tainted because I'm sitting here saying, well, they're healthy. And, you know, who knows, a month from now, they might have all these guys out again. Right. Which is unlikely that they'll have that significant uh, injury issues. But if they're going to win the division, when you are healthy, you kind of need to string the wins together. Because for the Golden Knights this year, they got off to that really, really good start. What was it? 13-2-0, I think Mm -hmm. it was. Unbelievable start. It was like, wow, Vegas and Boston, they're never going to lose a game. And since then, they've still been... Fine. They're, not, they're not bad, but they've been a lot closer to like a 500 team since that 13-2-0 start. And, you know, if you do that the rest of the season, you might fall out of the top spot in the Pacific. And it's close enough that if Calgary or Edmonton gets hot, you could conceivably fall out of the top three if three other teams in the Pacific play well in the second half. So maybe I'm just overreacting to what happened last year, but it does feel like there might be something to Hey, Making have some kind of margin. Pick up some points. Go on a nice run while you're healthy because who knows what happens right. in the second half of the season or the last third of the season at this point. It happened last year. If it happens again, you want to have a big cushion there and you can sort of fall off a lot and still make the best. Maybe I shouldn't ask at the top of the division. Maybe I should ask between the wild card teams. That way you don't miss the playoffs because if you ha- who cares how big they've the gap got a pretty is between decent three. lead against them. Edmonton and Calgary are what was it? I, I don't know if either played last night. Edmonton did. I think they won, but it's, so I think it's like nine and nine right. ahead of them. So it's a uh, it's a good it's a good size lead. Uh, but if you if they did what they did last year, where they like couldn't win a game, go, they get to a bunch of shootouts and they can't score the shootout. Nine can be made up relatively quickly if the team gets hot. All right, coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show. Darren, how Darren, are you? This how morning? are you, buddy? That feels like forever ago. The Marsha So goal? <laughs> it was? Yeah. <laughs> what have you been doing the last five days? 
Oh, I, I went surfing, uh, and you did? it's not a good time to go surfing in California. Trust me on the, on that. Uh, Wait, okay, so stop, stop whatever Coast, else you're saying. Surfing over there, what and a- then I uh, went snowshoeing in Canada, and uh, right, I picked some yeah. grapes in uh, yeah, in yeah. France. Yeah, yeah he's he's, uh, did you actually do yeah. any of that? Did you go surfing? No. Oh, can you surf? No. Oh, I just won't let me surf. I can't pop up like that. You play goalie. I, I know my hips hurt. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I think it was um I think it was Ashley Vice in one of the intermissions was interviewing Jack Eichel and it got brought up that you played goalie against Eichel when he was coming back. What, yes. What why didn't you tell us any of this? What how how was that? Because it's not for me to tell you. But after he's it's back, a, you can tell us that. But he that was the first time he was back. So okay, he's been back fair, for fair. 20 minutes in, in, in that game. So I didn't really have a chance to, to say anything on that regard. Fair point. I think that was a Thursday. So you were on with us that morning. Technically, you could have said something. Oh, well, yeah. Good point. But uh, <laughs> he, it, technically, he hadn't been back yet. So I was still, okay. uh, still How under. How'd it go? Under my, uh, uh, it was good. Uh, well, look at him. He was good. Uh, built, built some confidence, didn't I? You take you taking credit. Wait, so so okay, hold on, hold on. Tell them everything you know. That's right. It's Darren Millard out here is the reason Jack Eichel scored. So is this is no, this it's a, confidence? It's the confidence baton. I hand the confidence baton, <laughs> and they feel good after they skate with me. That's that's my role. Uh, so I'm I'm guessing you can correct me if I'm wrong. That this has happened before. Guys are coming back from injury, and they go, "Hey, go score on Darren Millard." Uh, to see if you're you're ready to go, and if they can score on if they can't score on you, then they're clearly not ready to come back. No, I, I think that uh, that everybody's ready to come back. Let's just put it that way. There's, <laughs> if if that's the gauge on whether they can come back or not, everybody's ready. Uh, <laughs> is there is there ever a day where you're like, my hips are hurting? I don't think I can go out there and play goalie against never, Jack Eichel. Oh, never. never. It's the it's the best thing in the world. I love our sport, and I love playing the game, and I will never, ever get tired of playing our game. I am a kid in a candy store, whether I'm playing Thursday night with our special ops team uh, in, in the league at City National Arena or whether I get to skate with a professional guy or whether I'm just uh, hanging out in the summer doing an active skate. I love our game so much. All right, who would we know? Maybe it's uh, Shane. I'm not sure. Who would we know that is the best player on your uh, rec league team? Oh, uh, Adam Miller uh, is a former professional. He played uh, for the Cal- uh, the Las Vegas Wranglers. Now, okay. uh, I was going to call him the uh, Calgary Wranglers because they're coming into town this weekend. But uh, uh, he he runs our special ops team on a Thursday night team. He's he's really 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 good. And then we've got a couple of other guys that uh, that have been like uh, college kids or, or uh, top uh, top minor league uh, guys uh, are pretty good. But but Adam Miller, uh, he's our director of hockey at uh, City National Arena. Well, what's... Uh, he 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 is uh, he can turn it when whenever Adam gets mad at us because we're not playing right. Uh, and he turns on, he just goes down and scores. It, it's pretty cool. It's almost worth getting him kicked off to do it. <laughs> what's the, what's the, tell me the level of, of most guys you're playing against college oh, kids. Yeah. Yeah. College or, um, high minor hockey, uh, kids that play triple a, uh, and such, uh, it's, it's really good. I, I'll, 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 um, admit that I didn't think the level of like men's league hockey would be as good when I moved here. 
but uh, but the, the division that we play in is is really really good, and we're not even like the best team. Uh, so uh, it's 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 competitive and and it's fun, and they do a really good job. But uh, but the caliber of it is is uh, is is high level, and it's uh, it makes it uh, it makes it challenging to go out there. Which uh, Golden Knights player trash talks you the most when you're out there? Uh, Marceau. Oh, yeah, okay, that was an obvious. Sorry. Shot. Okay, yeah. is there anyone you talk trash back to? Everybody. Ah, okay. Oh, good for you. That's yeah. good. Everybody. Is it, I, I don't know whether the guys just go along with it or whether it bugs them or or, or not, <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I chirp all the time, especially if I ever ever get in the way of one. <laughs> I, I'm all over it uh, with, with them. Yeah, I, I love it. That's my favorite part is, is chirping. Are you are you suggesting you trash talk even when you don't make saves? Uh, there's there's some <laughs> chirping going on. Like I'll I'll have excuses uh, or or such uh, the reasoning why that puck went in, or if I just touched it and it went in, I'll say that I deserve credit for that save because at least I, I touched the puck. So yeah, there's 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 a lot going on with me. <laughs> okay, I got a question for you. I'm curious if you think there's anything to this. The Golden Knights Ooh. have lost five straight games against Pacific Division opponents. Now that's like spans over the course of like a month. It's not like five straight yeah. Pacific Division opponents. It's one of those weird stats. Is there anything to that, or is it just kind of noise over the course of thirty, forty days? I think it's noise over the course of thirty or forty days, but it's not something that uh, that you want to continue. Uh, certainly, you, that was a, a strength of the Vegas Golden Knights at the start of this year, and uh, has been the strength of the Golden Knights over the course of the franchise. And those are, if you want to put it into four point game category, uh, are, are really valuable, and that's something that uh, that they have to be able to turn around and and will want to do that on Saturday night when they face the next Pacific Division opponent in, in the Evans Oilers. Um, the, uh, losing back-to-back in, in the midst of that five-game stretch to, to the LA Kings has, has been really impactful on, on this battle for first place, which could have been as, as much as eight points the other night uh, and is now down to, to uh, a tie. Uh, you can see the, the value of those, uh, those matchups. But, uh, but I think it's, uh, it's, just one of those quirky stats, but it's something that they have to to get in front of. You get a choice: Kings, Kraken, or Oilers, Calgary. You have to play in terms of those two, those four that play in the first round. Kings, Kraken, or four. Oilers? Who's Edmonton? Uh, Oilers, and who's the other team? Calgary. Calgary. Oh, uh, I'll take uh, Kings, Kraken. Okay, isn't that weird? Uh, I, I think that uh, that uh, this whole one-three-one uh, defensive zone system, uh, Vegas played a very similar system last year. Uh, it, it's frustrating to play against in the neutral zone. It is really uh, difficult if you're not on your game and you're focused, and if you let the other team set up. But it's beatable, uh, and and you can navigate it. Uh, I would take that, and I would roll my dice with the uh, the, the two. Uh, goaltenders on those two teams and avoid uh, somebody like Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. If I could, if I had the option to avoid the, the two highest point producers in the league, uh, I'll go down that path. Uh, do you think Chandler Stevenson makes it into the All Star game? I'm voting for him. I'm voting for him. By the way, you can vote for him on Twitter right now. That's open. Uh, if you tweet uh, 
I think it's NHL All-Star and with the player's name. Uh, go to NHL.com. It's got all the uh, the details. Uh, and you can you can tweet that and vote for him. Uh, I would love to see him in there. Uh, Bruce brought up the fact that he, he'd be tailor-made for three-on-three. That's that's totally true. But I want to see him in the fastest skater competition. That's my entire goal of getting Chandler Stevenson to the uh, NHL All-Star weekend is to watch him do that lap. You looking forward to uh, Monday, Pete DeBoer's return? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it'll it'll be good, uh, and and it's a chance uh, for for Bruce uh, and Pete to, to catch up. Uh, uh, they they had a lot of uh, back and forth when they were both uh, supposed to be on Team Canada's Beijing Olympic uh, squad and entry, so so they're they're fairly close. It's funny, like Mont- Montgomery and Boston and and Butch have talked several times. Uh, Pete and and Butch have talked several times. The coaching community is is really tight, and I said this yesterday on the VGK Insider Show. I, I I'm way too petty to be tight with people that uh, <laughs> that have overlapped and, and, and taken my job. Uh, and like, I, I would be just uh, it, not a jerk about it, but I just wouldn't be uh, allow myself to to get into that frame of of being chatty and 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 friendly with with people that uh, that occupied my former job. But I, I give those guys credit and. And I'm and I'm happy for uh, for what's happened in Dallas with Pete. Those guys all took over good teams, and they've been able to to elevate it. It's a, one of those bizarre All Star games. But it, but if it's but if you're a coach, you're okay because you get fired, you get another job within six months. And, and every well, have a butch eight days. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the, the gap between rounds uh, was was shorter last year than the the gap between jobs for butch. That's how how fast that was for for Cassidy. All right, he's Darren Millard. You can see him on AT&T Sportsnet tonight as the Golden Knights take on the Florida Panthers. Darren, we appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. You guys come out, and uh, I'll rehab you, and uh, we'll get you back in the lineup. (laughs) Okay. Darren Millard, the uh, IR goalie for the Golden Knights, joining us. And again, Golden Knights Panthers tonight. Darren will be on AT&T Sportsnet for their pre-post and intermission shows. Coming up next on ESPN Las Vegas now. We'll get into some UNLV football and what their offensive coordinator is going to look like. Quarles in the backfield, in motion. Glass gets it out. What a pass over the hands. There's Quarles. Quarles with the open field, and he's in. Look at this. He has to throw him open. He's covered, but he knows he's going to make a break towards the line of scrimmage and hits Quarles in stride, and Quarles takes care of it from there. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Man. That was Gary Quarles getting a lot of play on the show today. He uh, is, isn't he? Yeah, that is a uh, new running back for UNLV. He's transferring from Alabama A&M. Only played in five games last year, but in 2021, he had 955 rushing yards, 224 receiving yards in 10 games. So some pretty good numbers over the course of just 10 games two years ago. Uh, but... We have not spent a lot of time talking about Brennan Marion, who is the new offensive coordinator for UNLV. Brennan Marion uh, is given credit for what is called the go-go offense. And if you recall, when UNLV lost to Howard, Brennan Marion was the offensive coordinator at Howard. He's a 40-plus favorite. Uh, Yes. He ran the go-go offense at Howard. Now there was an interesting story that I read about that game and Brennan Marion where 
Tony Sanchez, the UNLV coach at the time, talked about like we didn't know what film to watch because that was Brennan Marion's first year as an offensive coordinator at the collegiate level. He had done it at the high school level, but that was his first year at the collegiate level. And Tony Sanchez, like, we didn't know what film to watch. We didn't know what type of offense they were going to run. And what they ran is what is called the go-go offense. So there's a couple of things to know about the go-go offense. First off, it's a, there's two running backs on the field, but you're in the shotgun. Mm-hmm. So usually uh, that's the general formation. The interesting part is those two running backs can be on the same side of the quarterback. So they're not always on the opposite they're not side. Always split. They're sometimes on the exact same size. But what it allows is for essentially the option to be run out of the shotgun. You can have the handoff quarterback mm-hmm. keeper or the pitch man. You can basically run any sort of run play that's ever been created in football because you have two backs in the backfield with your quarterback. Um, you can also use the running backs as lead blockers for your quarterback. You can do a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, mobile quarterback is very important. If you remember when Howard beat UNLV, Kalen Newton, Cam Newton's younger brother, was the quarterback, ran all over UNLV. Yes. It's also an up-tempo offense. They want to play fast. They want to play all the time. And then similar to like uh, Air Force running the triple option, when Air Force throws the ball, they usually are throwing it deep down the field, right? It's like they'll throw it six times in a game, but all six are deep shots. That's kind of similar to what the go-go offense does. When they throw, it, it's usually, it's not quite as severe as the triple option. Trying to suck them in. But generally speaking, yeah, when you're trying you to throw, suck them in and go deep. you want to hit a deep play there. After reading about it, I actually watched a couple videos of Brennan Marion sort of breaking down some basics of the go-go offense. I'm I'm actually like really excited to see UNLV's offense this season. Like that they, they could be a lot of fun. I don't know if they're gonna be any good, but they could be a lot of fun as an offense next year running something that I don't think anybody else in college football is running because I don't I, I haven't read anything about other offensive coordinators running this offense. So UNLV might be a fun, unique offense next year, and we'll see if it's any good. How good are these backs gonna be? Uh you have the Quarrels kid now. Don't you have the kid that played well against Notre Dame? <laughs> the two carries he got? Yeah, the two carries. And never put like Courtney 50. Reese back yeah, in the game. Exactly. Uh, uh, I think he's still here. I don't think okay. he went to the portal. Um, obviously, you have Brumfield to kind of lead the thing, uh, who's you know good in his feet. Right. Um, sounds interesting. Right. Interesting, I, mean, I think, it is sounds the key interesting. word. I don't know if I don't know, I don't if, know if it good. sounds successful. Right. That's going to be the main question. Interesting is the right word because I think it's going to be interesting. And to be honest, if they get good player or the right players, whatever it is, they probably will be pretty good offensively next year. I think you like if you start with Doug Brumfield and especially the, the Doug Brumfield we saw in the first five games of the season before he got the uh, concussion. Right. Doug Brumfield's probably going to be a great quarterback in this offense. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to have monster numbers in this offense. So I, I think there's interesting is the right word. Um, you can be excited. You can you can expect it or hope that it works out well. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it'll be fun. And I think as far as innovative hires, I think this is a great one by Barry Odom. Right. Like you go after Bobby Petrino, you go after the big name with baggage and and assume that hey, it'll work here. He leaves after a couple of weeks. I think this is a great hire. You hire well, the passing game coordinator from Texas who and here's the thing, Texas wasn't running this offense because 
he wasn't the offensive coordinator. He was a position coach, effectively. And if he works out, you've done really well for hiring a guy in January. Right, yes, I after mean, you lost somebody. After yeah. you lost somebody, and all of a sudden, this guy's available, and he brings this innovative offense with him. Right, and there's there's a level of this that I, I think is almost smart for UNLV to go after, where this team has failed for years, right? Obviously, they haven't, they're maybe the worst Division One program in football ever. And they've tried a whole bunch of different type of hires, right? High school coach, offensive coordinator from a power five program. Those are the Head last coaches, two. Right? FCS. Yeah. They've tried all sorts of things, but like how is air force more successful than UNLV? They run the triple option, right? Like they do something that not many teams and they've done do. it forever. Right. And there's almost a level, not that UNLV needs to run the triple option, but there's almost a level of, well, UNLV's never been good. Why don't they try to do something that everybody else isn't doing? Like, why don't you try something yeah. that other people don't do? Don't don't try to be better at what everybody else is doing because that's failed for 30 years. Because a lot of times when you prepare for Air Force and you have that one week, it's just not enough. Right. And now here's the thing. Air Force has had... No, it's, they it's not are just the triple experts option. at it. Their defense yes. has been better than every yes. UNLV defense yes. every single exactly. year. But there's almost a level of, okay, you've tried so much as a program. And obviously, it's not the same AD and same coaches every single year. But there's a level of just from UNLV standpoint, what if you try something different, different from a scheme, from a strategy standpoint, instead of trying to be better at what everybody else is doing? And maybe the go-go offense is, is going to be that. And maybe UNLV has a really good offense next year. Because if you want the like optimistic view... Barry Odom is a defensive-minded coach. Barry Odom's going to have the defense playing well. You're going to have the go-go offense. It's going to be a little weird for teams to play against. That's how the offense is successful. Yeah. You can see sort of that marriage of offense and defense. You've got reason to think they could be better on defense and could be better on, on offense, offense next year and into the future. And if it works out, UNLV might actually have a good team. Now, if it works out too well, they'll both be gone to other jobs. <laughs> but you'll take that because that means you went to a bowl game for once.